welcome to another uh, mini episode. Well, actually, this is not really another. This is our first mini episode um, from 13 and 30. Um, I'm I'm your host, Brian Huang, with my co-host, Mason Chang. What's up? And uh, a little bit about this episode or mini episode is we're going to be a little more off the cuff and we're going to talk about something that's everyone's talking about, the NBA playoffs starting, um, well, I guess today by the time we post this. Um, but yeah, so I'm, we want to like preview every single matchup. Uh, let's start with the East, uh, with, uh, Raptors Wizards. So, uh, Mason, how do you feel about this matchup? Um, I think, uh, this is actually a, a really surprising matchup because at the beginning of the year, if you told me that the Wizards were going to be the eighth seed, I would have been like, nah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Especially because like uh, just a few years ago, they were the, uh, Raptors and the Wizards seemed pretty like pair at the hip about with like their level of success yeah uh, and i think a lot of this is actually due to uh well like the wizard's failure would would be due to john wall and his beef with marcin gortat especially since like they are i mean despite the fact that it's scotty uh, it's scotty brooks that that's running the the team and he's not like a huge like playmaking kind of coach like but he can draw plays and with the wizards a lot of their plays are pick and rolls and when you have the guy that's running the picket that's starting the pick and roll and the the guy that's setting picks beefing with each other yeah that's not a, that's not a recipe <laughs> for success yeah um and like you know like for for those that don't know what happened was when john wall went down with injury like it seemed like they weren't meshing all year round but when john wall went down with injury they got a win without him and marcin gortat just went on twitter and like put emphasis on team when he said um it finally it's great to have a good win with the team yeah, yeah. And um, how do you feel about uh, Thomas Sadoransky on the Wizards? Dude, okay, so I am on the Thomas Sadoransky train. Uh, I, I am the conductor of the Thomas Sadoransky train. I think this guy can potentially get like paid probably anywhere from like maybe five million, five million to like fifteen to twenty million this summer um, if he like if he chooses like if he's a free agent because this guy, I mean. I think he's great because he's a good defender, like a really good defender at the point guard position. And it's kind of unfair because he's 6'7". So he's he's technically a small forward that has ball handling capabilities. And he can also shoot very well. And he's a great playmaker. He has very little turnovers um, and has, you know, like averages around, like when he was starting, he was averaging around seven assists a game. So like, you know, 0.8 turnovers to seven assists a game is incredible. Um, and he's a low usage point guard, so he doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time to be effective. He sets up teammates for plays. Uh, when they had Thomas Sadoransky in the starting lineup, their offense was a lot better. Their defense was about the same. Um, and also, like, this is also due to, you know, the point guard not beefing with the center. Yeah. Um, so there's also that we had to consider. But, like, I, I'm on board with Thomas Sadoransky. The only problem is Scotty Brooks is the coach. Yeah, he's um, he wasn't really... A lot of people talked about how he was like limiting the Thunder when they had, um, you know, Durant and Westbrook. How do you feel about that? Um, well, like I like Scott Brooks as a as a player development coach. I think he's great. I mean, like just think about all the talent that he's hard that he's developed over the years. Like Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden for starters. Then there's Reggie Jackson, Eric Bledsoe. Um, you know, like the OKC uh, dynasty. Yeah. Potential. Serge Ibaka like, too. Yeah, Serge Ibaka, uh, Stephen Adams. Um, like the OKC dynasty or the, the, the pot, the potential OKC dynasty was all cultivated by Scott Brooks. Yeah. Um, and also you look at the wizards, Kelly Oubre, 
has developed into an incredible player. Um, same with uh, Otto Porter Jr. He's found better use when Scott Brooks was, was the coach. But, you know, it's it's a step up. And Scott Brooks is a massive step up from who they had before. So it's like, you know, there, there's also that. Like, it, it's, you know, it's kind of night and day with the, the Wizards, like how the Wizards coaching changed with Scott Brooks. But that doesn't mean Scott Brooks is actually a great coach. He has a lot of flaws. For example, he's like Jason Kidd and like valuing the mid-range shot over everything, which blows my mind that someone still does. Especially in, in yeah, especially when a lot the most successful teams are shooting hella threes. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, unless you're the Nets, in which case you're taking the second most threes, but you're making the, like the yeah. least or something. <laughs> but like you know, unless you're the Nets, you should be taking threes. And the Wizards have three-point shooters. And another thing that bothers me about Scott Brooks is that he's. Uh, sort of dead set in running lineups as they are so like he instead of having like you know like a starter mixed in with the bench unit or something like that he has his starters in at the same time and he has the bench unit in at the same time yeah and uh transitioning also into we, we should probably give some uh love to the raptors who have the second best record in the nba um so everyone knows about uh you know uh, demar Derozan and kyle, kyle lowry but um, how do you feel about Jonas Valanciunas uh, finally being healthy this year? I think he's actually going to make the difference. Uh, or he's going to be one of the difference makers because he hasn't been healthy for the playoffs, like for the entirety of the playoffs for the last, what, like four years, basically. Mm-hmm. So like having him would help, especially uh, not really defensively because Jonas Valanciunas is actually taken out of the lineup and replaced with a, with Serge Ibaka as a center um, when uh, they need defense because... Jonas Valanciunas is not good laterally. He's not good against guards. And so when he gets switched on the guards, he's, you know, the guards usually score. He gets, or he fouls them. So like, but like offensively, he provides size. He provides uh, like defense in the paint. And he also provides uh, rebounding, which is something that they desperately need. But my biggest concern about the Raptors isn't them. It's, it's it's uh the the uh the system that they run Dwayne Casey's offensive system, which is still iso ball. This year, they're still very high in isolations. Um, and that's the downfall. That's been their downfall. So, like, I think, but, like, this year, you know, with, if if DeRozan and Lowry can't win through isolation, they at least have Jonas Valanciunas. They had Fred Van Fleet, who's yeah, he's been, been playing noise. incredible. Yeah. Yeah, as a backup point guard. So, he has, you know, he, he brings the offensive unit off the bench. Um, then they have their, their sort of, like, their depth, which is in their wing defenders, because they have Pascal Siakam, who's incredible. They have uh, uh, the rookie. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Um, uh, he has a weird name too. I can't think of his name, but he's really good. Jakob uh, 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 Jakob Portal is also very good defense, like as a backup center. I think he actually should start sometimes because he's actually faster laterally and better defensively than Jonas Valanciunas is. And they also have Sergi Baca too. So it's like they yeah. have they have a very good team. Yeah. All right, so um, I'm I'm guessing Raptors. And how many games do you think? Well, uh, it's this is sort of like um, if the Wizards somehow put it together, they can upset the Raptors. I and the key word is can. Um, yeah, I think there's like a 25 percent chance that they can pull an upset. So it's going to be 75 percent Raptors. I think it's Raptors in. Uh, realistically i want to say five yeah as i agree i would i would say raptors in five but it could anywhere be from like it could be from from like a clean sweep or the wiz the wizards like win in seven 
I don't think the Wizards are good. If they win, they're not going to win a, six. It's going to be a, a long, uh, grindy uh, yeah. series. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it looks like we both agree on the Raptors winning this one. Let's transition on to a, a, a less a really highly touted um, matchup with between the Celtics and the Bucks. Celtics have been, you know, hurt with injuries. Hayward with an awful injury to start the season. Uh, Kyrie's um, been ruled out for the postseason. And so the Celtics, even though they're the two seed, they don't look nearly as good as uh, as they have looked in the season. And we have the Bucks, you know, with uh, the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. But their defense is awful. Their three-point defense does not look good. Um, and... Well- yeah, it's actually funny because they're actually uh, first in contested three pointers. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah, but yeah, and like the, the the Bucks run a lot through through Giannis, and um, I know your opinion that Giannis should leave when when he can on the Bucks. But how else do you feel about this uh, this series? Um, I think I think the Celtics. Uh, this is also like see, this is kind of weird because I think the Bucks on paper. Just looking at the players themselves should upset the Celtics. This should not be an easy win for the Celtics. But well, actually, I don't think it's going to be an easy win for the Celtics, anyways. But like, it shouldn't be a win for the Celtics on paper because the Bucks have so much talent. They have Chris Middleton, who's a great ISO scorer and a great mid-range and three-point shooter, and like you know, he's just a great all-around offensive player and an insane defensive player. Um, like on paper, uh, Eric Bledsoe, he's been worse defensively this year, but he's still a great offensive player. He he really runs the floor well. He's like you know the he's like Russell Westbrook except shorter, I guess, because like he's like you know puts the pressure on 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 the defense all the time. And then of course they have Giannis, who I don't really need to talk about because yeah. Giannis is Giannis. He's a breakout then, year this year, another one. <laughs> well, yeah, well, like, yeah. I mean, he could win Most Improved Player of the Year again. That's how insane his year has been. Yeah. Um, and then Jabari Parker off the bench. This is a. I think Jabari Parker, if he stays healthy and if he continues his trend, will be a twenty-plus point per, uh, point like points per game score in the NBA. He will be a multi-time All Star. Like this is how good Jabari Parker is. But also, I'm really high on him because I wanted him. I wanted him first overall to the Timberwolves, like uh, uh, or, or to the to the Cavaliers when he got drafted. Because I would have drafted. I tell everyone all this all the time. I would draft. Parker over Wiggins in a heartbeat because this guy has passion for the game. He's, you know, he works hard. Yeah, he's had the two ACL tears, but he's also the most skilled offensive player in that draft. Like, or like in, in like out of, out of like between the him and Wiggins and Gordon, he was the best offensively out or most skilled player out of all three of those guys. Yeah. Um, but like the thing is the Bucks have a interim head coach who looks like he doesn't know what he's what he's doing? This looks. This reminds me a lot of the Rockets uh, with uh, JB Bickerstaff. Uh, yes, with JB Bickerstaff, because like it'll the camera will like the team is like you know blowing a lead, and the camera zooms to the sideline, and then you look at the coach, and the coach is like, I don't know what's going on. Like he, <laughs> I feel like he doesn't know what's going on at all. He's he's worse than an NCAA coach than than the average NCAA coach, which is. Surprising. I don't think he's going to get keep have the job for for, for very much longer. Um, yeah, you won't get I his would, job renewed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, if the players somehow, if if the Bucks win, it's going to be because of the players, not because of the coaching. If the Celtics win, it's going to be because of the coaching because they will have 
Brad Marcus Stevens. Smart coming back. Yeah. Well, like they have Marcus Smart coming back, who's a great system player. I don't think he's a great individual player. His numbers, his defensive numbers over the last couple of years, and his offensive numbers especially have been boosted because of Brad Stevens. Because Brad Stevens runs this motion offense that's just incredibly effective. Yeah. True positionless um, basketball. Yeah, and and they have you know guys like Terry Rozier that can score when you need them to score, and that's all you can ask for. Um, you know, Terry Rozier, uh, uh, Jason Tatum. Who like Jason Tatum? He slows the game down, but he's better than you know not having someone there at all. You know, um, same with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's an incredible player. I I think he I think he's better. Like I would have drafted him over Ingram and Ben Simmons, but like at the time, not obviously now. I would draft Ben Simmons over everyone, yeah. but like at the time, I would have drafted uh, uh, Jalen Brown over Ingram and Ben Simmons and. You know, I, I have a lot of faith in him. Al Horford, great glue guy. Um, also, Aaron Baines should get Defensive Player of the Year award or like uh, nods this year because he, his defensive rating is actually one of the highest in the NBA. I think it's actually higher than Rudy Gobert's. But the only problem is he only plays like 18 minutes a game, so like yeah. he's obviously not going to win the award because he limited playing time. But he's actually a great defender. And then on top of that, off the bench you have Greg Monroe, who can score in the post at will um and he's a great like per minutes score and per minutes rebounder not a great defender but you don't really need him to in in like 18 minutes a game yeah so i think we both agree that the coaching in with the celtics will uh, really help them even though on paper the bucks look much better if you just look at personnel that's going to be playing in this series uh so what would you say um who would win in how many games I think Celtics in six. Yep. Celtics in because like I think that the Bucks will win too because of the talent that they have. Yeah. I mean, it, it, but, with guys like Giannis, I mean, I and, and, and against a, a depleted Celtics team or almost depleted Celtics team, I think they're going to win a, like a game or two. With I mean, Giannis is like one of the possibly the next generational talent. Yeah, and I think well, I think this is the matchup with the most upset possibility in the in, in the east right now yeah so this would be an interesting matchup to watch cool and moving on to the 3-6 the matchup we have the 76ers obviously having this crazy uh winning streak was like um in double like 15 ish uh wins to end the season uh you got ben simmons you got uh mb coming back pretty soon markel fault has looked good in the the last few um few games he's uh came back from injury Got a triple double, youngest triple double, beating uh, Lonzo Ball recently, and you and you have the Heat. Um, they, I mean, the Heat have been kind of pretty quiet this year. They still got good coaching with from Eric Spolstra. They got Hassan Whiteside. Um, Wade is good, veteran presence. Um, and I mean, they have like solid potential players. And um, but so, how do you feel about this matchup? Um, well, I think 76ers are gonna blow the Heat out of the water, and. I think this. I mean, there's obviously like a higher upset. I think there's a higher upset possibility than the Raptors versus Wizards, and this is one of the more higher, like above. It has an above average upset possibility in terms of all the matchups this year. But the 76ers, if they can maintain their play, if they can be continue being the best team in the NBA post All Star break, then I would give this to the 76ers in four. But I can't doubt Eric Spolstra and his heat the heat are basically the Celtics 
but if they didn't have a superstar like Kyrie Irving the entire year. Yeah. Because, like, Goran Dragic is an all-star, but he didn't deserve to be there. I, I, I will, like, like I think he's a great point guard. All those, all the Heat fans that are listening, which I, I really don't think that there's that many right now, um, uh, don't, don't, don't say, oh no, but he was an All Star. He's not. He did not deserve to be an All Star. If he was in the West, if if there was if the All Star team was a, every single team, you know, there was no division, no conference. He would not. His name would not even be considered, even with five injuries to guards. Even if there were five guards, like the top five guards, all got injured, Goran Dragic's name will not be considered among, in, like, among the else, like, as an All Star. If that happened, even if that happened, if in a conference list NBA, um, but, like, you know, like, that being said, the Heat still have great salt. Like, they have solid rotational guys. Yeah. Wayne Ellington, good three point shooter. Um, that's all you need him for. <clears throat> uh, Hassan Whiteside. His defense has gone down this year, but I would still be scared of him oh, yeah. if he's guarding the paint when I'm dri- when I when I drive in the lane. Well, first of all, because I'm five four, so <laughs> uh, you know I would definitely be scared of Hudson Whiteside. But like, if I was like, if I was even Ben Simmons, if I was Ben Simmons and I was driving the lane and Hassan Whiteside's there, I I'd probably be scared. Cause like Hassan is just like he can when he he can turn it on at any time, and it seems like he can turn it on at any time, and when he does, he's incredible. Um, and even with without Hassan, they have Bam Adebayo, who I think is probably the most undervalued rookie this year because of his impact on the game. He's a great rebounder, he's a great defender, and he's the backup center to Miami to like Hassan Whiteside. And at the end of games, Eric Spolstra, who's probably one of the best coaches in the NBA ever, um, and I would put him in like I think at the end of his career, he has the possibility of being a top ten coach uh, of all time. He will rather put Bam in the game at the end of games to close out the games than Hassan Whiteside. And that kind of tells you something about Bam Abdubai, or it tells you something about Hassan Whiteside. But it's, it says more about Bam than it does about Hassan, I think. And then you have Justice Winslow, who in the last, in the last, in, since the All-Star break, has actually been learning his shot, which is something that like... Uh, it's, it's really evaded him his whole career. Yeah, it, it's really strange because, like, this was a guy that can score from anywhere in college. And then it just, like, in the NBA, it turns out that his shot stroke was a bit slower than everyone thought it would be. Um, then, like, you know, and that sort of affected, like, how how uh, how well he can shoot because now uh, players have a have a easier time closing in on him when they know that his shot stroke is going to take forever. Um, so I, I kind of felt bad for, for justice, but now he's learning his, his stroke. He's actually shooting around 50% since the post, like since the all-star break. So, you know, like, and and on top of that, he's actually still a great defender. And in terms of being, and like they're running him at the point guard as a backup point guard to Goran Dragic. And when he's in the game and he's, and he's actually facilitating, their offense looks a lot better. I don't know about the actual stats, but it looks a lot better. Um, and then you have James Johnson, who's. You know, a guy that everyone, the league gave up on, but then he turned it up when he got, when Spolstra got him in, because like, he's just like great, you know, he'll get you 13 points, play hard defense. He's an MMA fighter, a former MMA fighter. So like, no one's going to pick on him except apparently Serge Ibaka, who, you know, was, was asking to, to die that day. Um, so like, yeah, like I wouldn't mess with James Johnson. He's an enforcer. He's a three point shooter. He does everything you need him to do. Uh, Dwayne Wade can turn back time in the playoffs. You've seen that with the Chicago Bulls recently, you know. 
So yeah. I, 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 and also he's still a great defender and a great shot blocker because he blocked LeBron twice last time they played, yeah. which was probably one of my like favorite moments this season because it was just like kind of funny that LeBron was like complaining about a foul from Wade, yeah. like you know from you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, like I think, but I, you know, all that being said, 76ers, like the most complete team in the NBA. Um, other than their one-dimensional facilitators, like, you know, we haven't seen the three-point shot from Markel Fultz since he came back. Uh, we haven't seen Ben Simmons shoot threes this entire season or shoot up out of the mid-range. Like, he's a, or out of the paint, actually, because he's attempted jump shots in the paint, but he hasn't attempted shots in the mid-range or in the three-point, at the three-point line. Like, you know, like, he's never, he hasn't made them, at least. Um, but other than their one-dimensional uh, uh, facilitators, they have... Marco Bellinelli, who's a great three-point shooter, who's reliving his Spurs days. And the reason why the Spurs, like, even won a championship in the era in the era of LeBron is, I think, a lot due to Marco Bellinelli's shooting. He's a, he's a very underrated uh, player. And he lost a shot after, this, you know, after the Spurs traded him. So, like, that, that was, you know, unfortunate for him. But he, it looks like he's regained his shot. He's regained his confidence. J.J. Redick, Arsan Ilyasova... Uh, these guys can all spread the floor. Robert Covington, by the way, uh, their their three and D guy, looks like Trevor Ariza on the Lakers. Like this is like this is you know Trevor prime Trevor Ariza going up against Paul Pierce in the finals and locking him down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is like he looks insane. And by the way, according to advanced metrics, he has the highest the the biggest net differential. Of all players that played more than five minutes per game in the NBA since the All Star break, so like this guy is huge. He's going to be important. And then that you know, and we haven't even mentioned Joel Embiid's impact, and yeah. he's going to be back after Game One. So I think Seven Sixers, if they if they don't like, I I don't believe in uh, rookies not being experienced enough to play in the postseason. But if something happens and and this team gets exploited, and for some reason. Um, I don't see the 76ers losing. Like, unless that, unless they get exploited by Eric Spolstra, who, which can happen, I don't think this team is going to lose. I think it's going to be either a clean sweep or in five or six games. Yeah. I think I, I would go with uh, the Sixers in four and a half. So, I, I'm more like 4.3. So, yeah. pro- probably a and, sweep, but I would not be yeah. surprised if there was a, f- a fifth game. Yeah, and, and I'm also, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a seventh game because... You know, we haven't seen this playoff, this, this like, the 76ers in the playoffs for yeah. a very long time. So, like, I, I don't know what Brett Brown's going to do. I haven't seen him coach in the playoffs. So, like, yeah. Eric Spolstra could work his match and bring a seventh yeah. game, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so it looks like it comes down, the the, the X factor is the coaching, and we can't really tell. But it, unless coaching goes crazy, um, I think we both agree it's going to be Sixers in a short series. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And... Uh, the uh, last Eastern uh, matchup, the Cavs and the Pacers. LeBron James, Hall of Famer, obviously one of the greatest players of all time. Um, the Cavs have not looked that great this year. At most yeah. times, they did a complete rehaul at uh, the trade deadline. Um, and you have the Pacers, Oladipo having a great year, obviously. Um, still under the radar, um, even though he had this great breakout year. Uh Miles Turner having a, a solid year again, but um, his, he he has for a big man he has like negative three rebounds a game, um, and from the people I know who watch the Pacers, so like two people, 
Um, Nate McMillan is not a good coach. Yeah, he's he's. Um, I, I don't want to say he's the worst coach in the NBA because there's Billy Donovan. Um, but he's probably, I think, I'll have to think about it, but I would probably rank him. I mean, there's also, there's also, uh, Joe Putney or the, the coach of the, of the, of the Bucks. So like, he's definitely top five worst coach in the NBA. Yeah. yeah um, and, and, and it's really funny because I you know, like a lot of this is cause he runs a nonsensical offense where like he runs a pick and roll with Victor Lodipo and Miles Turner or like, uh, he tries to run a pick and roll with them, but for some reason, the entire time they have Thad Young in the paint and like on the block. So it's like, why would you run a pick and roll if you have a guy already on the block? Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. there's not spacing. And, and you know, like Victor Oladipo, uh, more props to him this season because he actually makes it work. He somehow scores despite having two, both his big men in the paint or at least one big man in the paint, and his guy that the guard, the guy that's guarding him, his defender, still on him very closely, because yeah. like it doesn't work. Like I mean, Nate McMillan should get fired for for doing that. He should actually get fired for. Um, last year there was a, 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 a infamous article that was written in the Indy Star about um, how the Pacers like stepped up their three point defense, and like the funny thing is like all, from all accounts of this incident, it was Paul George telling Nate McMillan, "Hey, we're." terrible at contesting threes maybe we should contest some threes and apparently they looked at game tape after like during the all-star break and Nate McMillan was like you're right Paul George we should contest some threes the fact that a coach has to be told maybe you should contest three-point shots in this day and age yeah in this day and age is is mind-boggling like Nate McMillan should be fired by that article alone but somehow the Pacers have faith in him yeah for some reason yeah. um yeah and like Make me not good, but continue on to the Cavaliers. Uh, I mean, Kevin Love has been out for the whole year. I mean, you also have LeBron James. Um, so, how do you feel about the Cavs? I think isn't I, I believe Kevin Love might come back, right? Yeah. I like I think if he comes back, it's gonna like it's gonna be an easy win. Yeah. Um, for the Cavs, I, I, I think that the Pacers, they have so many glaring issues with their team and like, they've been playing well, but the thing is like, Miles Turner needs to grab rebounds and he needs to stop getting into foul trouble for my, for the sake of my fantasy team and for the sake of, you know, like, um, the, city of the Pacers, <laughs> yeah, the city, of, well, no one really cares about Indy, no offense to all the Indy fans out there, but it's like, it, it's, it's one of the most depressing cities in the world, according to Business Insiders and a, b- a bunch of other magazines. Anyways, yeah. um, you're also like you're you're also sort of like betting against LeBron James. Yeah, so I think we <laughs> yeah. So Cavs will probably win this. You got Cavs got LeBron James. Kevin Love will be back, and they got Ke- LeBron James. There's playoff LeBron James, and they have more playoff experience. Yeah, um, I think Cavs and six. Yeah, I uh, yeah sounds about good. I wasn't. I wouldn't be surprised if it went to seven. But if it goes to seven, there will be some blowouts on the side of the on on the side of the Cavs, I believe. Because I think like I mean, LeBron's not enough to uh, LeBron might not be enough to face the amount of talent the amount of talent that's spread out in Indy because they have a lot of talent. It's just not centered around one player. Yeah. Um, but you know, like because they have like 
Thaddeus Young is a great defender still, and I think he can check up. He can hold Le- limit LeBron, whatever that means. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. can possibly limit LeBron a little bit. But I think I mean we've seen LeBron take a team worse than this to the finals. It was a different time, but I still think that th- that's still possible. And I think that if George Hill comes back, if Kevin Love comes back, no contest. And not this, I'm not saying like George Hill will be a difference maker. But he does matter in the terms in terms of like actually providing some sort of defense, some sort of pressure on the ball handler. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So it looks like we're going pretty chalky in the fir- in the uh, first round of the NBA playoffs. But you know, second round's a little different. I feel. But we'll talk about that at another time. Um, let's move on to the Western Conference. So we got some interesting matchups. So let's go uh, in a different direction. Let's go with a four-five matchup first. Um, so inside out. So the four five matchup, we're gonna start with uh, the Jazz, the Utah Jazz, and OKC. Utah Jazz obviously has um, a great rookie who uh, believes he should be winning Rookie of the Year in Donovan Mitchell, uh, and they have great great defense. You got Rudy Gobert over there, and you have Oklahoma City, uh, been pretty disappointing this this year with all the the hype at the beginning of the year. I think some of us kind of saw this coming, but I, but the general consensus uh, among many NBA fans is that OKC would have been much better than they are now with uh, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. Specifically, one of our very close friends who has been hyping them up since, you know, since the offseason. Uh, a, a shout out to uh, Israf Vishwas. Uh, I we told still love so. you, dude. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, come on, man. Stop making these hot takes. Actually, or keep making these hot takes. We have more to talk about in that, in, you know. Um, anyway, yeah. So how do you yeah. feel about this matchup? Uh, I I think that the see this is kind of hard because OKC should win on paper. Yes, but they also should not have been the fifth seed on paper. Yeah, they were, uh, at the beginning I, of the year they were talking about uh, dethroning <coughs> the Warriors and being the number one seed. Instead, it's the Rockets that did that. Yeah, and I saw this coming because Billy Donovan, all you OKC fans out there, admit it. Billy Donovan is the worst coach in the NBA. Period. Actually, I take that back because Milwaukee. I forgot Milwaukee's interim coach, but he doesn't really count. I feel yeah, like. he's an interim coach, not a yeah, full timer. Yeah, even Jay Triano of the Phoenix Suns is a better coach than Billy Donovan. Like, because he actually runs plays, and I know it's shocking. Uh, there's actually a coach that runs plays. You know, like, uh, well, like if you've been an OKC fan and you've been watching. Only OKC basketball, you you wouldn't realize that. Yeah, between because, uh, between uh, Billy Donovan and uh, Scotty Brooks. Yeah, and, and I I love Scott Brooks. He actually runs plays, but not when he was when not when he was in OKC. Like yeah. he did a little bit, but it was like it quickly. You can tell the offense quickly fell apart, especially in the fourth quarter, which is why they choked against the anyway, Warriors last year. Yeah, back, yeah, back anyway, to Thunder. Yeah. Or like Billy Donovan, not a good coach. Uh, Carmelo Anthony. Possibly the most overrated player in the NBA uh, going into the season. I didn't see him being any good. I didn't want him. I, you know, you know that I don't want. I'd never wanted him in Houston. I was like, I, I like. I think we had this conversation over the summer. Like, you asked me like if I want uh, Melo or not, and I was like, no way in hell. I will cease to be a Rockets fan if we got Melo. Or something like that. I remember saying something like that. It was probably overly dramatic for me. Yeah, I would still, I would still watch them. But I, I hate Mellow so much because yes, Phil Jackson was was bad to him in New York. Yes, it was kind of undis- It was, it was, 
more, it was uh, not really, I don't want to say it was completely uncalled for, but it was partially uncalled for in the, on the part of Phil Jackson. But Melo ruined New York last year because he refused to run the offense that Jeff Hornacek put in for him. When they ran the triangle, the Knicks were actually successful. When they didn't run the triangle or didn't run any plays, because they only ran the triangle 12% of the time, um, like, and the play broke down. It was almost always because of Melo. Melo is just a, he ruins the offense. As soon as he gets the ball, it's like, all right, I'm going to isolate, and I'm going to shoot a mid-range jumper, and it's going to be contested, and you guys are going to sit there and watch me. No one is so demoralizing. I mean, if you play pickup basketball, you know that if there's one guy that's a ball hog that wants to ISO on every single offensive play, you don't want to play with anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially when he misses. And that's basically, you know, that that is Carmelo Anthony in a nutshell in the recent years. Because especially since now he's not as athletic as he used to be. Like, I mean, he hasn't He wasn't, like, extremely athletic before, but he was more athletic he was athletic enough to be able to score on people in ISO. Now he can't, and his shot sucks, and he's not a good catch-and-shoot guy. He's not a great defender either. He's actually a terrible defender. Um, he might be the worst defender on that starting lineup. Yeah. But actually, he is, because no questions asked he is, because you have Steven Adams, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook, and uh, Corey Brewer is a better defender, because Corey Brewer is actually a really good defender, no matter how much hate I gave him when he was on the Rockets. Yeah, a lot of that was just mainly on his inability to <clears throat> shoot a corner three-pointer. Or or his inability sometimes to even dunk the ball. Yeah, which is, uh, <laughs> I still love I, I still love Corey Brewer, but... Yeah, he, it, and like, you know, I, I appreciated his hustle. As a, when he was on the Rockets, because like we never we had a bunch of times where like we gave our players obviously gave up on the game, and Corey Brew would still hustle out there, like give a hundred ten percent effort, but like yeah. it was sad when he missed the dunk. Yeah, I, like, I, yeah, I, I liked him a lot, and I, I, it was kind of hard to watch him struggle so hard after the first uh, after the half year he was in, in Houston. Yeah, um, but going like going back to OKC, um, I think th- like they can win this. They can win this series they should win this series if they get it together if they play team basketball which i don't know if they will play team basketball but if out of the four out of out of the seven games if four games of shots go in yeah that's all you need that's all you need yeah and and they have guys that can make shots that are bad shots yeah even even yeah even though um what's his face paul george has been struggling since the uh the uh the all-star break if he if he gets it on that's another deadly uh, force against uh, the jazz yeah and in the last five games he's actually been getting hot from three so he's actually improving maybe not like his 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 layups and stuff he's still missing um but like and he's missing open threes which is another weird thing about him but i think he's he's been very inconsistent and a lot of that is because He's not used to playing the system. He's not. He's used to being the number the w- number one playmaker, the guy with the the ball in his hands at all times. He's not a catch and shoot guy as much as a lot of people want him to be. Um, like he's proven this year that he's not very. Well, like it, this also might be because of Westbrook, because Westbrook doesn't really put him in positions in the best positions to be able to catch and shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, there's there's so there's a lot of factors going into it. But if they run an offense, they can if they run an offense they should win i would say like they would win in seven but if they don't if they don't run the offense if they if they continue doing what they're currently doing it's possible that it might be like they might lose in seven um and going on to the jazz like they have the number one defense in yeah, the that, NBA. that defense is uh deadly <clears throat> yeah and 
um, and to all those uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, uh, fans out there, Donovan Mitchell stands out there. Um, I'm not a hater. I'm not a Donovan Mitchell hater. I love Donovan Mitchell. I'm the first guy to pick him up in fantasy basketball this year. I was super high on him. I picked him up like as soon as he threw up 15 shots a game, even though he wasn't very impactful. I was like, a guy throwing up 15 shots a game has unlimited uh, courage and unlimited confidence. I want him. I don't care if he's not making those shots because that's more opportunity for me. And then it worked out for me uh, tremendously this season. But like, I love Donovan Mitchell. He's not rookie of the year. It's stupid to think that he is. He's... The, like, the Jazz can win without him, without providing that offense. The only argument I can see people making for him winning Rookie of the Year is his defense is very good and it's actually better than Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons does more for that team, even when Embiid is on the court, than Donovan Mitchell does. Because when Donovan Mitchell can't score, Ricky Rubio can score. And despite all the, all the, all the trash that you know people have been throwing at Ricky Rubio over the years, he's actually drastically improved as a scorer this year. And on top of that, you have Joe Ingles, who's one of the most underrated players and will continue to be the most underrated player in the end because he looks like your your your, your like redneck uncle. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like a dad or a redneck uncle, like the guy that wears like like not like like pure white uh he's the guy that wears pure white OG New Balances. Like he's like it's like OG New Balances are dope, but he's the one that wears the pure white ones, like the dad shoe ones. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and like you know, like like uh, uh, like straight jeans. Yeah. Uh, and, and like uh, uh you know, yeah. maybe flannel sometimes, yeah. and that'd be on the, his cool days. Like like he's Joe Ingles is is, is and he plays like that too, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, so the Jazz have all this defensive talent, and um, we're not even talked about Rudy Gobert yet. Yeah, Rudy Gobert, great defender, probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. I disagree with this, but he's probably going to. Um, Derek Favors, great big man off the bench, um, like or like for the bench unit because like sometimes he's he starts, sometimes he doesn't. I think it's better when he doesn't start because you can't have both Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert in the paint. Um, it's just there's not enough spacing. Derek Favors, he's taken threes this year, but you know it's not as good as as you want it to be. I think that their size actually gives them an advantage over OKC, but OKC has uh, not. I don't want to say like better offensive talent because it hasn't looked like it, but they have better stars, uh, more stars. By stars, I mean like superstar talent that can. Be great offensively, and well, how do you? F- well, obviously, you think the Jazz Jazz's coaching is gonna be better than the OKC, but to what degree do you believe that it's better than OKC's coaching? Quinn Snyder, um, I love Quinn Snyder as a coach. I think he's been greatly, un- drastically underrated. I think he actually, uh, like you know, the year uh, I, I didn't really pay attention to him until the Rockets played them. Uh, in 2016, I believe. Like, th- this is the one, the incident where the guy was shining the laser in James Harden's face. Mm. Um, I, I'd start, like, that's when I started paying attention to Quinn Snyder. Because, like, I was surprised at how efficient his offense was scoring against. I mean, it was against the Rockets that year, which who were terrible. But uh, defensively, defensively yeah. yeah, defensively, they were actually still very good. It was just offensively, they were terrible. Um, and it was a pain to watch. But, like... How efficiently he was allowing, he was creating opportunities for Gordon Hayward to score that year really opened my eyes to how great of a coach Quinn Snyder is. And that's not even mentioning the defense. So I really like Quinn Snyder. I think he definitely gets an edge. But 
you're talking, but this is sort of like the the Heat situation against the 76ers, or like the Pacers against the Cavs, or um, yeah, like or the Pacers against the Cavs. Like the pace, like Ty Lue's a terrible coach, so uh, Nick Miller's a little bit better, um, or it was Eric Spolstra's a, a hell of a coach, um, but he doesn't have any stars. Like this is the same situation. Where Quinn Snyder is a hell of a coach, uh, m- but this time he's marginally, like, he's uh, exuberantly better than than uh, uh, Don- or Billy Donovan. But does, do the Jazz have enough firepower, yeah. like, firepower or, like, just star power to win? Because I, I think when it comes down to it, it's going to be guys that make shots in clutch moments. Yeah. I think the games are going to be close because they're both defensive teams. So these are going to be low-scoring yeah. games. Yeah. Um, it'll be like whoever's defense is better, whoever can get that last-second stop, or even on the other side, make that last-second shot to win the game. Yeah, cool. And um, um, let's move on to predictions. So for me, I think it's going to be whoever. So this is kind of a cop out, but I think whoever wins game one, whoever wins game one, will uh, end up winning the series. And if I had to choose, uh, dude, this, this is very hard. I, th- I think the Jazz uh, will win the first game. So, but again, I think this is the closest series in, in the whole in the whole playoffs. Yeah, um, I think. Well, I I don't really see the, the problem is I don't see the Jazz as a four seed. And I don't see the OKC Thunder as a five seed. So like I think it's actually reversed. I think it. I mean, even though the records aren't reversed, I I see OKC as the four seed. Yeah, and, and it's, it, they are the four seed. If uh, yeah, uh, if, the, if just to clarify the OK, well, looks according to Google, it says OKC's uh, the four seed. Yeah, I I think I mean, I think OKC in seven. Um, I, it's hard to see Russell Westbrook. Despite him not making it out of the playoffs last year, or making it out of the first round last year, it's hard to see him and Paul George not make it out of the first round. Yeah. All right. Like it, it's it's so silly. Yeah. I, but yeah. All right. All right. Moving on to the three uh, six matchup, we have the Portland Trailblazers uh, against the New Orleans Pelicans. So Portland Trailblazers obviously had that great uh, win streak in the middle of the year, ended by the Houston Rockets during their win streak. Um, yeah, and now they've been on the losing streak. Yeah. And uh, you have the Pelicans who were playing pretty solidly until um, uh, DeMarcus Cousins went down, ironically, also against the Rockets. Um, but yeah, so this is a pretty intriguing matchup. You have uh, two. You have CJ McCollum, and uh, and I feel like it's kind of weird to say this, but I feel like Damian Lillard is a little underrated compared to like some other superstars in the league. But and I digress. Uh, and you have um, Anthony Davis on the other side. So how do you feel about this matchup? Um, I think uh, it's really funny because this is probably the matchup of the most underrated guards and the most underrated big men in, in or like one of the uh, some of the most underrated guards and some of the most underrated big men in the game. Um, obviously, I'm not talking about Anthony Davis or I think Dame is actually properly rated because like I mean, if you look like he's a great player, I think he's an incredible player. I love Dame. Like, despite the fact that he hit that game winner against the Rockets. Stop. Trigger warning. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I see, the thing is, this that has happened to the Rockets so much. Uh, like, we've lost to a game winner or something like that. But it bothered me when Utah beat us. It bothered me when the Lakers beat us. But it has, but when the Blazers beat us, yeah, I, I, it, it, it triggers PTSD. But I have, res- I, I don't know why, but I just 
ha still have a lot of respect for the Blazers for Brandon Roy when he did it against us. And I was, you know, I watched that game when that happened and it broke my heart as a kid and against Dame. And that also broke my heart, you know, in high school when that happened. But like, even though that, that those two shots happened, I still respect them a lot more than I respect the Jazz. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, that being said, um, like, I don't think he's underrated because, like, his stats haven't really shown, like, you know, obviously he has, like, a, a he has a disadvantage of being 6'3", and, like, he's his stats have been better than, uh, like, have been around the Kyrie range. I don't think he should be rated as, like, a first-team All-NBA guy, which he thinks he'd, he, do, he does, at least. Um, like, in a recent interview with uh, The Jump on, ES, on ESPN, but, like, I think this is the battle of the most underrated guards in CJ McCollum versus Drew Holiday. And, well, not just Drew Holiday, but, like, the Pelicans' big three guards, which all three of these guys have not been given enough coverage this year. But Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, who's still a great defender, possibly a very, like, the most underrated defensive point guard in the NBA, and Etuan Moore, who no one knows about. And I only knew about him because in 2K, he ended up on my team somehow. Um, and I was like, man, this guy can actually make threes. Um because like he's he's sort of like a an undersized two guard, um, but like and also like underrated big men Nikola Mirotic on the Pelicans who they got in the in the midseason trade great three point shooter has been extremely hot this entire year from three, um, and now this year he's actually more consistent than he was before like because like that was his biggest knock against his game and then Yusuf Nurkic who the Denver Nuggets gave to the Blazers you know uh, when they decided to move on with Jokic. But Nurk is still a great player. And this is sort of like the same team the Blazers had last year. But the difference is the Blazers will have Jokic, or Nurkic for at least... I, I don't want to say... I don't want to jinx it. But I hope he's there for the entire series. Because last year he went down with injury. And if he's there the entire series, I think the Blazers can easily win against the Pelicans. Yeah. But if he isn't there, if he gets injured, it might be over for... The Blazers. It might be over um, because they still have Ed Davis, who is a great backup. But Ed Davis is like he, he he's like one of those guys that should play limited minutes. Like he's really effective limit, li limited minutes. But as soon as you give him the starting role, he's not as effective as most starting centers in the NBA. Yeah. But like the you know like or starting caliber centers in the NBA. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. I mean Pelicans. They still have not answered who's playing small forward on their team. Uh, they yeah. this entire year they have they've had no small forward really like you can point to Etwan Moore who's played small forward a bit but he's like six three yeah and <laughs> so obviously like, they have not... Anthony Davis uh, playing well too yeah um, um yeah so like I I don't have faith in the Pelicans winning I think Blazers in Blazers in uh, five or six I'd say Blazers in five um I I'm surprised on how how well the Pelicans have done since um since uh, Boogie went down. Yeah, and a lot of that is actually, uh, a lot of people give Anthony Davis all the credit for it, but a lot of that is actually Alvin Gentry, who, by the way, for people that don't know, the reason why the Warriors have been so effective the last couple seasons is because when Alvin Gentry was an assistant coach on the Warriors under Mark Jackson, he devised the system that Steve Kerr is implementing right now for the war, like, you know, like that the Warriors are using. So, like, 
Alvin Gentry has been making it work with pieces that should never go together yeah. in the modern era. Because, like, Rajon Rondo, as much as he's been an underrated player, in most cases, everyone would brush him off like Alfred Payton because he can't shoot, you know, and he's just a playmaker. And he's a great defender, but he still can't shoot. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Cool. And uh, moving on to the uh, the two seven matchup, an intriguing one: the Warriors and the Spurs. Both of them, both teams have been depleted by injury. Um, Durant has missed time. Draymond Green has missed time. Clay Thompson has missed time. Steph Curry's out for at least. For, is, Steph Curry's going to be out for the whole series. Um, Spurs have had Kawhi's played for like ten seconds of the whole se- uh, the the whole season. Lamarcus Aldridge has dealt with injuries this year. Um, Pogus Aldridge straight up old now. Uh, so this is going to be. I feel like this is going to be an interesting series to see how how well uh, coaching is going to affect the Spurs. You know, with Greg Popovich, one of the greatest coaches of all time, and and the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors are the Warriors. Um, they're known for having a lot of ball movement and involving everyone. But their players, they have their players aren't playing as well with, because they've been hurt, or uh, some of them are getting old. Um, Andre Iguodala hasn't played very um, very well all this year. Um, and I haven't heard too much about Sean Livingston, uh, this year. So how do you feel about this matchup? Um, I think the Warriors have been slack, uh, have been like slacking a lot. I don't think that, that like the regular season is sort of, you know, any indication on how their postseason is going to be. I agree. Um, I, or like, at least if I were anyone playing them, I would never, I would not think that way because it's dangerous to think that yes, way. Like I it's, sure. yeah. Cause and definitely you know, Greg Popovich is definitely not. <clears throat> Um, thinking that Underestimating. way. Underestimating. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know. This is kind of weird because uh, if you look at if you look at the regular season, like the last couple games at the end of the regular season of the teams going into the playoffs. So, like, I, I don't mean, like, you know, like, in total, look at the regular season. Until, I mean, like, just look at the last couple games leading into the playoffs. Um, Spurs should win. That being said, uh, the Warriors have Kevin Durant, yes, who is a top five player, possibly top three player currently in the NBA. When he retires, he will be definitely in the top five small forwards of all time. Um, you know at, that might be controversial. That might be a hot take for some people, yeah, but I that's believe that's a different, different conversation. Yeah, um, like like this, they have a generational talent in Kevin Durant. They have. Clay Thompson, who's arguably the best two-way player, two-way guard player in the NBA. Yeah, and one of the best um, uh, spot-up shooters. Yeah, and, and you know, like, uh, the last couple games, it has, or the last, this season, it hasn't been that great for him, but let's be real, you win, you go to the finals, what, four times already in the last four years? Um, uh, yeah, three, I think, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, it, it's... You know, it's it's sort of boring at this point, especially when you have the best team on paper in the NBA. Um, I think like I think the biggest factor of this would be Quinn Cook, if he can get hot, and he can get hot. He won the the uh, the D League three point contest. He's a, he's one of the best three point shooters in the D League. But you know that it's also the D League, and the reason why he was undrafted and he's playing in D League is because he was a six he was a six three shooting guard. But it looks like in the in the D League they've sort of developed some ball handling capabilities. Yeah. So like he can now play the point sometimes. So I I don't feel like this team 
should lose against yeah. the Spurs. So this this matchup is definitely one of a lot of question marks. Um, how the Spurs will, will handle um, if if Kawhi even comes back? We don't even know if that. If, I haven't heard any news about that yet. And and if um, how Greg Popovich coaching will fare against Steve Kerr's with Steve Kerr's no no coach to just to just uh, put to put off. Yeah, and also like uh, when we're like and the Spurs like they have a size advantage now because um, they'll have Pal Gasol and. LaMarcus Aldridge and Kyle Anderson playing at times all at the same time. So, like, you know, Kyle Anderson's like, what, 6'9", something like that. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is almost 7 feet tall. Uh, and and Pau Gasol is almost 7 feet tall. So they have a size advantage. They also have one of the best defenses in the NBA. Uh, DeJounte Murray is one of the best defensive point guards and one of the best defensive guards in the NBA. He doesn't have a shot, but he's kind of like Ben Simmons and Lonzo Ball where, like, he doesn't need to have a shot to be effective because he's a good playmaker. He's a great facilitator, um, and he's he can score inside. Well, actually, not really Lonzo, but at least with Ben Simmons, he can score inside just like Ben Simmons. Not like Ben Simmons, but like you know, with the same like the same style as Ben Simmons. And he's a great rebounder because he's six six at point guard, and he's a great athlete. He's long. Um, you know, he does a lot more things on the defensive side of the ball. So this is like the Warriors, their offense is insane. Their defense has been lacking this year, but it's still top 10, I believe. Um, like, through adva- by advanced metrics, um, they're still, they, have, they still have a top 10 defense this year. Um, but this is, like, one of the best, poss- like, a top three defense versus a, uh, what was it, like, number one or number two offense, depending on where you look at it. Like whether it's you're, you're getting your information from Basketball Reference or NBA.com, and a uh, top ten defense, and I think that the team with both a top ten offense and a top ten defense is definitely going to beat the team with only a top two defense. Yeah. All right. So I I think I think this series can go either way. It because there's way too many question marks. But what do you think is going to happen in this series? Winner in number in number of games. I think. Uh, Kevin Durant will be chastised, should be chastised by every basketball fan out there if they lose it, uh, to the Spurs in round one. Like, I think it should be Warriors in five, max. Yeah, I agree. But if the Spurs make it game seven and they win game seven, Kevin Durant should not show his face in public ever again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, Kevin Durant, generational talent. But I'm interested to see what happens. I believe tomorrow is their game one, uh, the Warriors and the Spurs. Uh, I think a lot of things can happen in that series. But, yeah, if I had, if I was a betting man, I, I would pick Warriors in five games or less. And, all right, uh, down to the final um, matchup. We have the one seed in the 18th, the Houston Rockets and the and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Houston Rockets obviously had a great season, uh, the most se- the most wins in uh, franchise history. Uh, you got Chris Paul, James Harden, Luke Mbamute, who's unfortunately hurt for this series, um, and a lot of bunch of role players. And uh, their defense picked it up to a top top ten top ten team on I believe defensive rating, and one of the best offensive of, of all time. Um, yeah, so- the, I, I think it's actually. At the, so f- I think right now they actually have the best offense of all time. Yeah, 
So this is a very um, big task for the Minnesota Timberwolves, who uh, had a great season. They were the three seed for much of the heart of the season. Uh, And then against, ironically, the Rockets, uh, Jimmy Butler went down and they the Timberwolves went on kind of a free fall. Um, you got Andrew Wiggins, who's a solid player. Uh, he's inconsistent though, and he it seems like he's always shooting with a foot on the line. Um, yeah, and he also is one of the worst defenders in the NBA right now. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, they got Taj Gibson, uh, who's um who, great defender. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Butler. Obviously, we just talked about G- Jimmy Butler. Uh, Jeff Teague has been pretty underrated in, in Minnesota. He's um, he he doesn't get that much clout uh, compared to s- some other players. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns, former Rookie of the Year. Um, so it this team has a lot of the they're they're two like quote unquote stars. Be I would say Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. Both of them have the potential to be great offensively. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is just good. You know, Wiggins is just inconsistent, but they're both pretty bad on, on the other end. Uh, so yeah, this is pretty in- intriguing matchup. You have what feels like a full. Uh, a um, fully powered uh, Timberwolves who only skidded because of an injury against one of the the best record in the NBA. So how do you feel about this matchup? Um, this is actually the worst case scenario for me in the last couple uh, in the in the last week of basketball when when Denver lost against the the Timberwolves because I wanted Denver because Denver would have been an easy win uh, like if the Rockets played them like I think it would have been a clean sweep, um, no questions asked. Uh, but unfortunately the Timberwolves won. Um, and I, I think the Timberwolves have been, have had the most underwhelming season. I thought that like, it'll take them, it'll take them a while to click, but when they finally click, this is a top three team in the West. Yeah. And they were, they were, they were a top three team in the West for a very long time, obviously until the skid. Yeah. And like, I, I did a, uh, I did a, a preview for my for my other job uh, at OTG Basketball, like on their on their podcast about uh, about this matchup, but I, I want to point out like um, I think the biggest thing the biggest factor for the Rockets winning against the Timberwolves, other than like other than their shooting and you know the Timberwolves defense would be uh, would be uh, the bench unit and Ryan Anderson, and I think. You know, you know how I feel about Ryan Anderson. Everyone knows how I feel about Ryan Anderson. Um, but when we played the Timberwolves, he was plus thirty in every single like he was uh, uh, like in his average on like the entire season match regular season matchup. He's plus thirty, and the reason why is because Taj Gibson is the Timberwolves' best defender in the paint. Like un- unquestionably, he's the best defender in the paint. Um, when we put in Ryan Anderson, Taj Gibson gets dragged to the three point line. And that's an open lane for whoever wants it, because Carl Anthony Towns isn't going to get the block, or like if he does, he gets fa- he gets he gets a foul more th- often than he gets a block. So like that would be the biggest factor, and I think the Rockets would win in five, but I wouldn't be surprised if this goes to seven. And the reason why it goes to seven is because uh, Tom Thibodeau, you know, like counters everything we do because he's a great defensive coach and yeah his bench is terrible yeah this bench is terrible he also I plays like a, three, Gorge... a four-man rotation i feel sometimes yeah he, he he definitely does i mean zach levine went down with injury last year um and he put him in like he tore his acl and he played an additional 20 minutes that game because tom Thibodeau was like oh you're fine we'll put you back in 
Like, you know, like, this is a torn ACL. And obviously, like, Zach Levine wanted to go back in anyway, so, like, there was some of that going on. But, like, Tom Thibodeau always plays a short rotation. And it, as long as he keeps Taj Gibson or Carlin Towns on the, on the court at all times, it's a better option than Gorgie Jane because Gorgie Jane, their backup center, um, he was great last year defensively. This year he's a minus 40 against the Rockets in all four matchups. So, like, you know, if they avoid playing him – um, and they keep Taj Gibson in the paint, they could make this a seven-game series. They could make this a seven-game series. But I think realistically, it's going to be Rockets in five. I agree. Ryan Anderson, if he hits some threes, it's going to be... Well, not even if he hits threes. I just think I just want him to be on the court as a threat. Because yeah. if he's a threat and they pull Taj Gibson because of that threat to the perimeter, then they basically left a lane open, you know? Yeah. It'll be even a bigger lane if he actually starts hitting those threes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, cool. So it seems like our first round is pretty chalky. Um, the our, our Western Conference is a little more um, up in the air. But I think from what we've been talking about, I think it, the second round is going to be much more interesting and much less chalky. All right, I'm gonna, I want to stop recording. <laughs>